Last time on Improv Tabletop, our heroes, Pennysworth McScrooge, John Paisley, and Bingo Dingo, who it turns out was not Bingo Dingo, but rather Fred Feller, had been captured by the Brotherhood of Brass and imprisoned in their war camp. After some deliberation, some discoveries about true identities and other various hidden things like guns, they all decided that they would team up to break out of this place with the aid of Gentry using his training in the Marines and the Quakas with their taste for human flesh. They snuck into one of the large shipping containers containing a couple of the war machines that the Brotherhood of Brass used to tear across the outback landscape and they caused a big old ruckus, found Dave and Buster, got them up there onto the war machine, saved the Quakas, but as they were driving off, the Brotherhood of Brass got one final parting shot and you lost the leader of the Quakas to the ravages of war. But you have continued on and you're getting close to the shore and towards civilization. And so we're going to figure out how things end here in the Fallout Pack. What's shaking? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, your fraudulent but penitent tour guide. Uh, Evan Peterson, I wish I had as much money as the character I'm playing. Justin Porter, who's playing a character that would be the B-movie of Taken. All right. We're going to pick up, uh, we're going to jump forward into the future a little bit, I think. Uh, you guys have started to get used to this lifestyle as a roving band of rough-and-tumble individuals out here in the irradiated lands, the wastes, and you're kind of feeling like the kings of the world at this point. You know how to operate these machines, you know how to scare off all of the big old monsters out there, and things have been going pretty well for you, and you can tell that you're getting close to the shore. Um, you can see, you know, by the cloud formations that are coming in, by the giant uh, insect-eyed seagulls that are flying in every so often, you can tell that you're getting pretty close. So we're going to pick up with you guys on what you suspect will be the morning of the last leg of your journey towards the sea. Uh, and we're going to pick up with Gentry first. He's got a fairly impressive uh, 10 o'clock shadow coming in and... He has just finished slaughtering a giant spider for the morning's breakfast, and he comes dragging it back in, and he pulls out uh, one of the machetes that he got from Fred Feller, and he starts butchering the spider and pulling out all of the weird spider meat, uh, getting ready to throw it on the fire. And uh, yeah, how have you guys been feeling now that you're getting close to freedom? Fred Feller's been living this life that he pretended to live and actually finds that he kind of enjoys it. It's uh, It's been an eye-opening experience, and he thinks that maybe he could continue with his same plan, you know, if things ever go back to normal, and actually become a tour guide. And would he attempt to resurrect the persona of Bingo Dingo, or would he just do it as Fred? No more pretending, just do it as Fred. Nice. And Dave and Buster are also having a great time. Uh, they've been kind of bonding with Fred, almost in a brotherly sort of fashion. And they've both taken to, uh, they really like the old bingo dingo fake tattoos. So like every morning they grab some markers and they start drawing fake tattoos all over themselves. 
uh, which John, I'm not sure how John would feel about that at this point. John's a changed man. Like over how many days has it been? <laughs> uh, it's been four, we'll say. So he's changed a little over these <laughs> It doesn't take that much to change him, and now he feels like he's a man of the woods. And he's not hes not your normal suburban dad. At heart he is, and maybe in the way he sounds, but now he's becoming more used to this superhero-like lifestyle that he's lived in, that he's living in. You know, he, he finally, he never shows anybody that he has a gun, but he showed today and he knew how to use it, but he really doesn't. But he knows how to look like he knows how to use it, just like a lot of people. And he's a little letting his boys just grow. He's just, with as he grows, he's letting his boys just grow, discover who they are, you know? And this has happened in the course of four days. <laughs> and as you're helping Gentry to string the spider meat on some spits to begin roasting over the fire, uh, Dave and Buster are there by your side, helping to clean all of the weird gunk off of the spider meat. And Dave's like, man, dad, this has actually been like really cool. Like, I know you said when we were going on this trip, that it would be a good bonding experience, but I didn't believe you. But it turns out you were right. I, I appreciate that. Appreciate that, David. And, and you know what? I think that this has been one of the greatest experiences in my, in my, you know, adult life. And I'm glad that you share this with me, son. Yeah, it's going to be weird going back. I mean, just heading back to the town home. You have to go back to the engineering job. Mom's not going to let us eat Vegemite whenever we want. It's going to be weird. Ah, I guess it does bring you back into reality now, does it? Well, let's... Let's just take this in for what it is. Take this excursion of ours and just forget about that for a little while and not have to deal with the drudgery and the pain that comes by going home. <laughs> and one of the quakas goes, Well, I mean, you don't really know if there's a home to go back to. Things are pretty bad in Australia. I can only imagine how bad they are in America, just south of Canada. Oh, I'm pretty sure we're all right. We're 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 Americans. We tend to, you know, be able to adapt to anything. So, I think that I think that we're doing okay. If anything, we're probably the ones ruling the world right now. If there is a ruler of the world, it's probably us. You know, I uh, kind of what you were saying. I I personally like. I mean, as far as anybody's concerned, we, like right here, us, this little group, we are the rulers of the world, you know? Like, I, I just, guys, I, I mentioned how lonely I was. Like, I I don't know if I could handle you guys going too. I, I broke up with Sheila, like I said, but she was probably bad news, so I think that was a good thing. But like, I don't want to break up with you guys. I love you guys. I want to, I want things to stay like this. Fred, you're a nice guy, but I think you just need to keep your tears to yourself. <laughs> okay, Dad. I, I mean, I mean, John. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's just get this cooking and have ourselves a good feast. Guys, a lot of you are talking about ruling the world. And I'm going to be honest, I, uh, I don't mean to sound prideful, but I think I might have come closer to that than a lot of us here. I mean, <laughs> I once hosted a dinner for three senators and convinced them to vote for a bill that would benefit a business I was invested in. But now I'm here with the rest of you. And I realized that the whole time that was happening, 
And the whole time I was on top, even the people closest to me, and I look at Gentry, hated me. And nobody really cared. So, uh, yeah, like, uh, like John was saying, maybe even though things are hard out here, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Because if we do get back and we do manage to find some sense of civilization, uh, then we go back to playing these games we've been playing. But out here, we've all been pretty dang honest the last few days. And Gentry looks towards you and he's, his head is kind of hung low and he says, Mr. McScrooge, I... I did hate you for a long time. Like, I mean, I, I really despised working for you. I mean, it paid well, but I would wake up in the morning and I would look at myself in the mirror and not really recognize the person that I was. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where I actually kind of really appreciate working for you because you've proven yourself to be a good human and I just wanted to let you know that. Well, uh, it sounds like sorry doesn't really quite cover it, but I wouldn't have been a better human if you hadn't let me know how you really felt, so... Thank you for opening up and being honest with me. And uh, at that point, the spider meat has started catching on fire. So he takes off his bandana and starts smothering the fire out. And one of the quokkas sidles up to Pennysworth and says, Hey, hey there, Mr. McScrooge. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard any news from what's going on back in civilization. Uh, is your friend in the cabinet still out there? Oh, here, let me... Uh... Hey, uh, Fred, do we have a signal on the sat phone? Uh, yeah, we, we actually do. We've just got one bar, but I think it should be good. Here, let me try and make a call. Ned, I'd like to invoke friends in high places to make another call. All right. So you put in your speed dial for your friend who's working in the cabinet. And after a while, uh, he picks up and he's like, uh, Penningsworth, you're still alive. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to see that, to be honest. It's been a, it's been a crazy few days. Oh, you're telling me. Yeah, how well, to be honest, we've been, uh, well, we got kidnapped by the Brotherhood of Brass, escaped that, and then we've been trekking it through the outback for a few days. How are things back in civilization? Well, I mean, just first, I, you, you escaped the Brotherhood of Brass? Well, I mean, I, uh, I hid under a table and my friends did, uh, stole the war machine, but we escaped the Brotherhood of Brass. That sounds on brand. Um, <laughs> still impressive though, still impressive. Uh, well, you know, it's, Australia's doing pretty good. Um, we're kind of separated from a lot of the real intense political stuff that's been going on. But, oh my gosh, let me tell you, there's a worldwide broadcast going on at high noon Eastern Standard Time in America. Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden are having a duel, like guns and everything. <laughs> like an old-fashioned duel? Like a 10 paces? Like back-to-back -back turn and draw. It's going to be amazing. Oh my gosh, we've <laughs> got to be there to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm putting it up on the... I got myself a nice big projector just for this event. I'm inviting a bunch of the friends over. I mean, things things have really, really gone down the toilet here. Um, so it's not going to be as fancy as one might expect, but we've got a generator. Uh, we've got a few cans of beets that we've managed to rummage up. And we're just going to have a party out here. So if you can make it in time, I'd be more than happy to see you there. Oh, wow. Uh, hey, listen, if you can... Uh... If you can give me a, a lat long, we can find it on a map. We've got a map with us. Yeah, okay. And he gives you a couple numbers. And I uh, skillfully use a map to find those numbers. <laughs> yes. And we don't have to prove that we know how to do that because we definitely do. IRL. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I mean, if our characters know it, we know it. Obviously. And he says, well, I mean, if you can make it, that'd be great. I personally have got all my money on Trudeau. Biden, he's a little old these days, but you never know. Hey, he's old enough. He might have had a few duels back in the day. You never know with him. Hey. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll try our best and we'll uh, see you when we see you. And you as well, my friend. And I hang up and I turn to the group and say, so uh, I didn't really get a read on how things are doing. It sounds like both not good and good at the same time. My friend is having a party. Good. Uh, The president and the prime minister of Canada are still alive. Good. They're having a duel to the death. Bad. And he's living off generator power. Bad. So uh, it sounds like they're making the best of a bad situation, but I told him we'd try and be there by the time the duel happens. So wait, like uh, there's a he's having a party to watch the duel? Yeah, it's being televised, which I guess that's another good sign. He's getting a broadcast somehow. I mean, some sort of infrastructure worldwide is still working, so we may just uh, have some sort of semblance of civilization to get back to yet. I say we chomp down our uh, breakfast and uh, try and get back there, even though I'm pretty sure the time change math might not check out. The event's at 12 Eastern Time, American Time. Oh yeah, so we've got five hours. Of course. It's exactly how it works. Exactly. IRL. Let, let's eat our breakfast. All right. So yeah, you guys scarf down your spider meat, which you've become oddly accustomed to over the past few days. <laughs> and you start to get your heading back towards the coast. And as you're uh, beginning to head out on your big old war machine, you're riding along and Gentry at one point calls back and he's like, uh, guys, I'm sorry to announce that it appears we're running out of fuel. We're going to need to find something that we can use to power this thing. So like gasoline? Gasoline would be ideal if we can find it, um, but I don't know, maybe we can like, you know, Mr. Mr. Paisley, you're an engineer. You could probably convert the internal combustion engine into like a nuclear reactor or something. Well, I guess if we had the right tools, but, uh, you know, we don't really have anything. And uh, I just, we might be in our, a little bit of a pickle here. Yeah, well, let's let's get out and start looking around and see what we can find. And he stops the war machine and hops out and starts uh, getting ready to rummage around. Is there uh, something off in the distance there, guys? And I point off to the east and in the shimmer of the heat, uh, there's a symbol, uh, semblance of something, but it's hard to tell whether it's a mirage or something more substantial. I think I see something. Um, maybe we better get a closer look. Uh, why don't we send uh, one of our, you know, our fe- uh, friends, um, the Chikiwas. The the Quakas? Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Can one of you scout it out and make sure it's not a mirage off in the distance? Yeah, I, I can go do that real quick. Give me just a minute. And he starts scampering off into the distance and you see uh, the hazy light begins to surround him as well. And he gets out there pretty far. And after a while, he stops and he starts sprinting back towards you guys as fast as he can. He goes, um, it, it's definitely real. Um, it's, and as he's explaining, you hear far off in the distance from that direction, just this big, (sighs) and he says, I'm pretty sure mirages don't make noises like that. I'm pretty sure they don't either. Let's, uh, get our, uh, some weapons, guys. Guys, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It's gonna be a Zilligator. A Zilla what? 
the gators have come in contact with the with the nuclear stuff and they've gone all Godzilla on us. It's gonna be a Zilla gator. Well, hey, we don't call you Fred Flamethrower Feller for nothing. Get up on the flamethrower. Okay, and at that point, Gentry comes running back up and he's got uh, a tank and he's like, all right, I had to kill some guys and steal their gas, but I think we need it right now. And he starts pouring the gas into the tank of the car. Well, look at you, MacGyver. That was, that was what, <laughs> that ingenuity, and I am very proud of you, son. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be on my conscience for much longer. The adrenaline's going to kick in here. But, uh, Mr. Feller, I, I know that you were kind of putting up a front, but didn't you say that gators are the most dangerous of all of the things out in the Australian outback? They absolutely are. That was at the top of every Google list that I found, and I, I have... I don't even want to know what has become of them with radiation. This is, I mean, this might be beyond us to fight. We might have to just make a run for it, you know? And he turns to John and says, Well, Mr. Paisley, uh, you've been working on those wings for the war machine, and you said that they would be ready by today, so I'm really hoping that they work. Well, we could just give it the good old college try, and hey, if it doesn't work out, you know, we can die. But we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And Gentry pulls out some goggles and he puts them around his eyes and starts passing out goggles to the rest of you and says, now the velocity is going to get pretty high up there, so you're going to need these and really, really hope that we don't run into any mosquitoes while we're up there because one of those things would explode our entire vehicle. Hey, Gentry, you got this. John, you're a good engineer. This is all going to work. Okay, guys? And Fred, be ready on that flamethrower. You're the best shot we got on that thing. I just want to say that uh, if we are going to die, I... This is the way I want to go with you guys. I love you guys. I love you too, man. No one's going to die today. And Gentry fastens himself into the driver's seat and pauses with his hand on the key for just a moment. And he gives out a big breath and goes, what a lovely day. And revs it up (laughs) as hard as he can and punches the gas. And you start screaming across the Australian outback. You're (laughs) kicking up this huge column of dust behind you. And as you start gaining speed, he pulls a lever and you hear the flaps on the wings engage. And he says, all right, pretty soon we're going to reach altitude. We're going to reach, I don't know what the term is. We're going to reach the speed that's going to make us go into the air. Is everybody ready? Ready. Ready. Boys, are you strapped in? No. (laughs) I think we're ready. (laughs) And he gives it the final bit of gas and uh, you hit a bump and the war machine goes up into the air and the wheels retract into the body and in their place come out a couple of turbines and you go shooting off into the air in the direction of this zilligator in the distance. Oh yeah. And you're flying, you're getting closer, uh, you're making some good speed and it turns around as it hears this noise coming in from the side and it looks up and notices you and it definitely has the general shape of a gator. Um, the long tail, the thick trunk-like body, and the very long snout. But it also has those very Godzilla-like ridges and big old scaly protrusions all over it. And what is even more Godzilla-like, as it sees you come close, it gets down on the ground and with its front legs pushes itself up and gets up onto its back two legs and turns towards you now bipedal and it takes in a big old breath and you see this blue light start to gather at the back of its throat 
He's got a flamethrower of his own. <laughs> Quick, evasive maneuvers. All right. So we are going to uh, set some situation aspects, uh, much like we did at the beginning of our last episode. So uh, this one's going to be interesting because we're up in the air. But let's define something about our war machine that will help make it a bit more potent. Uh, John Paisley, you being the engineer who has put this all together, uh, what's a nice, powerful aspect that we can give to your war machine? Well, I fashioned, I, I changed up the crane with the wrecking ball on it to be a, basically a giant catapult with the wrecking ball, so I have one good shot. Nice. So that is the aspect that we're going to give the war machine one good shot. And go ahead and roll for that. And since you used your engineering skills, you can roll with careful for that. That has a plus two. Plus two. Perfect. You succeed and you get your free invocation on that aspect. One good shot. So now, Fred Feller, what are the conditions like around you? Something unusual that's going on in the sky today. I look around and I see a flock of ginormous mutated mosquitoes like we had encountered before sort of circling around above like buzzards like vultures getting ready for uh what is going to come all right the aspect that i'm going to give us for that one is called they're back for blood <laughs> all right go ahead and roll for that and let's say roll with clever because you were able to notice those up in the sky plus one plus one all right that succeeds and you do get the one free invocation on that cool and then Penny's worth McScrooge, you in your various years of examining uh, people in high places, you've developed an eye for poking holes in people's defenses. And so you're good at noticing weaknesses. What's a weakness that you can see on the body of this Zilligator? Um, at the right angle, I notice that due to its mutations and its size, you can actually see straight a straight shot from his front nostrils to his brain mm. if you if you look at the right <laughs> angle you can just see straight down him all right so the aspect that i'm going to create for that is if you can see the right angle ned can i ask a question about the fate system yeah uh and obviously you can edit this out if you don't like it but um is there an option as our characters grow through the sessions to uh I guess, petition for additional aspects or to change our aspects? Yeah, so character advancement is definitely a part of the system. And since you guys have gone through some pretty significant milestones, each of you, if you would like to, there are a number of things that you could do in this situation. Each of you could switch the ratings of any two of your approaches. You could rename one of your aspects. So I would like to do that. Mm -hmm. My aspect was lonely but now I have a group of friends around me. Uh, so can I change my aspects to uh, loyal to the end now? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, we've all gone through some pretty big changes. So it's actually uh, each of us before we get into this big old confrontation, let's reflect that in our aspects. Um, Caleb, now that Bingo Dingo has revealed himself as Fred Feller and has started to really get comfortable with that, what aspect would he like to change about himself? I'd like to keep some of mine, uh, like, sees everything as a threat, I think still applies. 
Same with Oh, It's So Beautiful. I think those were a few things of actual Fred Feller that were bleeding through into Bingo Dingo. Um, but instead of Rougher Than the Roughs, I'm trying to think of something that's not too close to Evans. <laughs> that was my original thought. It can definitely be within the same realm. I think that'd be appropriate. I think his is going to be, his high concept aspect is going to be a man who's found family. Mm, I like that. You came right off the cusp of losing your lovely girlfriend, Sheila, and you found people who are even better for you. Yeah. And John Paisley, uh, you've come to some pretty significant discoveries about yourself as well. What would you like to change? So I was actually going to change some approaches. Is that something we can do? Yeah, for sure. So I changed my from sneaky to forceful and from clever to flashy. Nice. I like how that's looking. And you can, in addition to that, uh, go ahead and boost one of those up if you would like. So all of you new souls beginning to go into this massive attack on the Zilligator. Let's go ahead and get into some initiative. Everybody roll with quick. Negative one. Plus one for Fred. Uh, plus two. Plus two. All right. Rolling for a couple other NPCs. All right. So at the top of the initiative order here, we're going to have the Zilligator. Following that, we have Pennysworth, followed by Gentry and the Quakas, followed by Fred, followed by John, followed by the Mozzies. So the Zilligator, he just is charging up this big old blast of energy in the back of his mouth. And when he, you guys get close enough, he's going to fire it off in your direction. And he is going to roll to attack with, this seems like a pretty flashy thing to do. And in total, he gets a plus two. So we're going to have Gentry try and defend against that with Quick. And he unfortunately only gets a plus one on that, but he is going to spend one of his fate points and he's going to invoke if you can see the right angle. He's trying to really get a sense of what's up with this Zilligator, uh, where his weaknesses are, how he can use those to his advantage. And so that brings it up to a plus one, meaning that uh, you guys are able to dodge out of the way of this blast at the last moment. But as it sears past, it looks like this odd mixture of flame and lightning just boiling past you. And you can feel the heat coming off of it. You can feel the hairs standing up on your arms and the backs of your necks. And there's this scent of burning ozone all around you that is tangy up in your nostrils. As we fly by, I'm just going to yell out. I know it's terrifying, but that is one of the most beautiful creatures I've ever seen. <laughs> Very on brand. That brings us to the end of the Zilligator's turn. Pennysworth, what would you like to do? I'm going to yell up to Gentry. Bring us around its nose and try and get him to reposition us to closer to the face of the gator. All right, so we're going to try and create an advantage here. You're taking time to really kind of aim in on that. So roll to create an advantage with careful, let's say. That's a zero, but I'm going to use a fate point to bring it to a plus two. All right, so that's going to give you guys a free invocation on if you can see the right angle, which actually, now that I think about it, I didn't have you roll for that one previously. So go ahead and make a second roll on that uh, also with careful. That's a zero. Zero. All right. So that leaves us at just the one free invocation. But Gentry is definitely going to use that to his advantage. In fact, all of you can use that to your advantage if you would like to, whether that is Fred on the flamethrower or whether that is either of the boys on their harpoons, whatever the case may be. 
So that now brings us to Gentry and the boys. And as you go flying around the front, uh, Gentry gets in there with his piloting, and Dave and Buster are each going to take their harpoons and try and make a shot at the Zilligator. And the Zilligator is going to defend with Forceful. So Dave gets a plus three. Zilligator gets a math, 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 plus four. I think Dave at this point is just gonna go right ahead and use that free invocation to boost that up to a success. He fires one of the harpoons kind of right into the inside of the nostril. Doesn't go all the way down, but it sticks in there and the Zilligator takes one stress from that and roars out in pain. And then Buster is also going to try and make an attack. Ooh, that's only going to be a plus one. And yeah, the Zilligator rolled a plus four on that to defend. So that one bounces off. Uh, but that brings us back around to Fred. What would you like to do? I'm really sorry about this. You're so beautiful. And I'm going to launch the flamethrower at its face. All right, go ahead and attack. Um, Let's see, let's go ahead and make this a forceful attack. Plus four. Plus four. And the Zilligator only gets a plus three. So that is a success, and that deals one point of stress to the Zilligator. Uh, can I... Uh, I'm not saying that he has to do this, but uh, just to make a point of understanding for myself. So at this point, Caleb could, if he wanted to, uh, use a fate point, increase by two, and actually get an extra bonus, right? Because he would have succeeded by three at that point. Yeah, that would be success with style, meaning that you could either deal all of that damage and stress, or you could lower it by one to gain a boost. Okay, cool. Just making sure that, that I understood all the options correctly in a situation like that. That is a good point, because I hadn't remembered that. Um, I am going to do that. I'm going to spend a fate point and boost it by two. All right. Which aspect are you going to invoke? I'm going to invoke... Can, can I use the same one of the, if you can see the right angle, or has that already been exhausted? So we've already used the free invocation on it, but that aspect is still there, ready to be used. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll use that. Um, it just gets a nostril full of flame, and, you know, it's like when you smell something really strong, and it just burns all the back of your sinuses and your nose, and you it's just coughing and hacking. I know that feel, bro. So, yeah, with that, you can either deal three stress with this attack, or you can lower it to two stress and gain a boost. I'll deal three stress. All right, so you shoot that fire right into the Zilligator's nostril, and he is going to take a consequence from that. And the consequence that he is going to take is, we'll just call it Wasabi Nose, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I was going for. So yeah, the Zilligator is a little distracted by this immense burning sensation in the back of its nostrils. And uh, this consequence he uses to kind of mitigate some of that stress, but it's also an aspect that he has that you could potentially use against him in the future. Cool. That brings us around to John. All right, everyone, listen to me. We need to create an opening so that I can use this shot. I've only got one shot with this cannonball. And if we create an opening, I'm pretty sure we can take this fella down. So everybody just create an opening for me and I will take down this sucker. All right, so you kind of ready your action to do that. And the quokkas say, I think we know how to do that. And this quokka opens his mouth really wide and with those fangs bites into his own arm. So he starts bleeding. 
and he collects some of the blood and flings it onto the Zilligator and looks up at the giant mosquitoes who are hovering around in the sky, and they're going to invoke that free invocation on their back for blood to try and attack the Zilligator by way of these mosquitoes. So that is a pretty flashy thing that they did, I will say. So they get a plus one on that, and since they invoked that free aspect, that brings it up to a plus three. Um, they have succeeded with style, and that is going to deal three stress. So yeah, the mosquitoes come in, and their wings are flapping like helicopter blades. They figured out how to fly by now. Uh, they've had a while being these giant massive creatures, and they come in, and they sink their long needle-like beaks into the Zilligator and start sucking its blood out. And as they do, you can see kind of these waves of blue irradiated energy washing over them. And the Zilligator howls out in pain. And at that point, he's kind of flailing his head back. He's got this wasabi nose going on. He's got his blood being sucked out. That might be just the opening that you were looking for, John. And I take aim and I go to shoot the cannonball, which is painted the American flag on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. So go ahead and roll to attack. And I mean, it's got the American flag on and that's pretty flashy. So I got a six, but I'm also going to do a plus with the fate point that it's the right whatever. So it's an eight. Oh, my oh. God. Man. Plus eight. So uh, we don't often reference this because the numbers are just easier for my brain to work. But there is uh, what they call a ladder of different degrees of success in fate, each one with an adjective going from mediocre up through fair, superb, fantastic. And above epic at the very top, a plus eight is a legendary success. Oh, this man. is going to go down in the post-apocalypse like folktales. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Zilligator is going to try and defend against that and still does pretty decent. But you have definitely succeeded with style on that. And that is enough to max out his stress track. And so... As the uh, giant wrecking ball painted red, white, and blue, a star-spangled comet <laughs> flying through the air right towards this Zilligator, uh, what does it look like as it impacts with the monster? I imagine it just goes straight down the nose and then just kind of, you know, cartoony, like hits the back of his head and it kind of makes that little indent on the back <laughs> where the, the cannon hit. And so he goes and then just whiplashes the monster back and he just flies backwards a little bit. Yeah, he goes flying backwards through the air and as he's going, you see that blue light that was welling up in the back of his throat starts to shine through the cracks between his scales and very akin to the Death Star, you hit the right place, that thing explodes and it's just this, there's like this bit of silence and there's just this big old flash of white. And as your eyes kind of adjust to it, you see just this ring of radiant energy emanating out from it from both sides. As it digs into the landscape below, you see rocks just flying up from the ground into the air. And eventually it fades away into nothingness. And you guys are just flying through the air on your war machine. Dave and Buster are whooping and hollering. 
and Gentry once again takes a big old breath and sighs out, what a lovely day. (laughs) (laughs) Fred, I told you no one was dying today. I love you guys so much. You guys are amazing. And as you continue flying in your course, now that you're up in the air, you're traveling much more quickly uh, through the air and you're feeling the wind blowing through your hair. It's just this wonderful calming sensation. And as you look down on the ground, you can see the ocean out before you. And it's, you know, a beautiful sparkling green color. And you can see the giant malformed dolphins leaping up into the air, splashing the water as they go. And is that Canberra down there on the ground? Is that the capital of Australia? Dude, that's where your party is. Oh my gosh, I think we might make it on time. You know, in the parties I used to go to, it was uh, almost recommended to be late for once I'm relieved to be arriving on time. And then actually Pennysworth kind of turns around, looks at everyone, and he almost looks sad, and he's like, I'm not sure I want to go back. I'll be the first to say it, I don't want to go back either. I mean, if we go back, it means I have to go back to my job, to my wife, to America. Boys, what do you think about staying here for a little bit longer? And Dave uh, reaches into his backpack and he pulls out the Xbox X that he stole from the Brotherhood (laughs) of Brass and he goes, I'm good, man. I think you got an answer from us. We're staying. Yes! Gentry, Gentry, I won't make you do anything you don't want to do. You're a free man now. Do you want to stay here with us? And he says, I'm more than just a free man. I'm the king of the world. (laughs) And he jams on the gas and you guys shoot off into the horizon, flying through these radiant miasmas of energy into the sky. And that is where we're going to finish out the story of the fallout back. Man, that was good. Yes, (laughs) that was beautiful. That was a lovely coming together of a group that could not have been further apart. You know, you know, that's the beauty of going through difficulty. It brings you together in some pretty cool ways. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening to Improv Tabletop. We'll be back next month with more adventures in a brand new setting. If you want to hear that and other episodes as they come out, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be happier than Gentry is now that he's finally free of all of his worries and woes and that he is the king of the world if you would give us a good review. Uh, We're also on Twitter at Improv Tabletop. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, tweet about us using hashtag ImpTabSetting or hashtag ImpTabAspect. Let's go around and do a round of plugs. Uh, I have been very inspired by this setting that we've been in, and I've decided that I'm going to start making didgeridoos out of PVC pipe, and I'm going to be selling them. Uh, and I'll be at the Rexburg Farmer's Market. If any of you happen to find yourself in the area, (laughs) uh, which I doubt many of you will be, but uh, if you want to just rep the cred, I'm also going to have t-shirts that say, I survived the fallout back, Uh, t-shirts that say, Gentry is my co-pilot, and it's going to be a good time, going to be a grand old time for everybody. May I request one that Trex is my spirit animal? Trex is my spirit animal. A t-shirt, please. I mean, I think that that is definitely true for all of us, and we just need a way to express it. I think so. I need 
I need that. <laughs> Guys, I've said this one before, but I'm going to say it again. If you use soap and you like books, go check out my wife's website, bookloverssoaps.com, and maybe buy some soap that is book-themed. It's really great. Dude, I just had a thought. What if we get big enough someday that Rachel can start making soap based off of our adventures? Dude, she would be so down. Okay, everybody listening, you have to get all your friends to listen because we need this soap to come into existence. Imagine having a Zilligator soap in your bathroom. Imagine having a soap that smells as tasty as the quokkas thought Bingo Dingo smelled when they wanted to eat him. Imagine a soap scented with Vegemite and beetroot. (laughs) 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 On that note, uh, Evan, what you got going on? Um, So uh, for some astute uh, followers last week, the uh, code was that I was taking a week off. It's important to do that every now and again for self-care. So that was the code uh, for my performance art piece for last week. Um, My performance art piece this week... Uh, I, uh, you know, figured that I like to try and tie my performance art in with with what we're doing here, but some of it feels a little pointless and more just like, uh, just publicity stunts. So to get back to my art meaning something, we're symbolizing oppression and tying it in with the fallout back by, uh, burying myself in sand one grain at a time. (laughs) (laughs) The, the same way the stresses of life just seem to pile up one grain at a time. I resonate with that. Yeah, if any of you want to get involved, uh, it only costs five cents to be one of the people who drops a single grain of sand on top of Evan's body. And yeah, we're coming together for a good cause. Let's do it. For two cents, we'll write your name on one of the grains. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, JP, what you got going on? I'm going to do a plug for a Netflix documentary that I thought was great. It was called The Last Blockbuster. And oh, I've heard I of that. Was, it, I thoroughly enjoyed it as one who actually has worked for Blockbuster once. I thought it was also just a great documentary, and I highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. I forget how old you are sometimes, JP. <laughs> Man. Well, on that note... Thanks again so much for joining us here in the world of the Fallout Back. It's been a wild time, but a great one. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Caleb Anderton, a man who's found family. Evan Peterson, a man who's learned that there's life beyond luxury. Justin Porter, and man, that that shot was one in a million. (laughs) Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop. Thank you.